the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We have a great show for you today. We are between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which Rosh Hashanah, if it depends on when you're listening to the podcast, Rosh Hashanah starts Sunday night and is over Tuesday night. Yom Kippur is the following Wednesday night. We have Shabbos Tshuva in between. Uh, a whole lots to talk about. In this half hour of the show, we're having our seasonal interview with Laura Pels from Franklin Cider. It's going to be a fun interview. I always love talking to the people at Franklin Cider. We've been doing it now 28 years. Second half of the Parsha, we'll be talking about Yom Kippur, even though the portion of the week is Hazina, which is Chapter 32 in the book of Deuteronomy. But... Uh, overshadowed by Yom Kippur, of course, an amazing Hasidic story at the end. Lots of music scattered throughout. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Four Syrians were arrested on the Israeli border for throwing bombs at soldiers. One of the attackers was shot in the leg and taken to an Israeli hospital. Israel bombed Iranian sites in Damascus, killing five. An 85-year-old woman was killed in central Israel, the central Israeli town of Halon. The attacker was found hanged by apparent suicide in Tel Aviv. Five Arabs were arrested for their part in the attack. That is one of those, like, head-scratcher things. Three people were stabbed by an Arab terrorist, the central town of Modi'im. One attacker was shot and killed. Another was arrested. An IDF soldier was lightly injured nearby as an Arab rammed his car into an Israeli checkpoint. The attacker was arrested. The Israeli embassy in Mexico was spray-painted with the phrase, Death to Israel. Israel summoned the Mexican ambassador to Israel for an explanation. In other news, U.S. court has ordered Hezbollah to pay $111 million in damage to several Americans who filed a lawsuit claiming they were hurt by the terrorist group's rockets during a war with Israel in 2006. The court is allowed to seize assets of the terrorist organization held in the U.S. Otherwise, I don't know how they're going to get any of that money. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid spoke at the U.N. General Assembly Thursday. Prime Minister Lapid said that Israel is interested in looking at the two-state solution. Israeli elections are November 1st, with Lapid pairing off against former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is against the two-state solution. So it could be a referendum on the two-state solution. Let's see. 
Here's some really good news. Israel's gross domestic product is up 6.8% this year, a rise of 2% from last year. After refusing, this is one of those weird stories, got to think about this one. After refusing to allow 20 Jews from flying on one of its planes, Lufthansa is now the world's first airline to adopt the international Holocaust definition of, of anti-Semitism. That means they're going to be better, right? <laughs> They'll smile at the Jews when they don't let them on the plane. I don't know what that means. But anyway... And uh, finally, there are 9.5 million people living in Israel, according to the yearly census. We do one every 10 years. They do one every single year before Rosh Hashanah. There are 7 million Jews, 2 million Arabs, and a half a million everybody else's. The most popular boys' names this year was David, after King David. The most popular girl's name, interestingly enough, was Avigail, or Abigail, who was King David's wife. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Here, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online Laura Pels from Franklin Cider Mill, located, of course, in Franklin. Where else? How are you today, Laura? Today, how are you, Rabbi? Good, thank God. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Franklin Cider is one of our favorite people, and we are so glad that Franklin Cider has been the seasonal sponsor for 28 years now of the Jewish Ooh. Hour going way back to your father of blessed memory and your brother of blessed memory, and now uh, you. You should live long and have happy, many happy, healthy years. Thank you. Thank you. It's quite a tradition we have at that mill. Um, all three generations have been moving through it, and it, it's terrific. It is terrific to have that kind of family tradition. Okay. So let's go, let's go back in time to the very beginning of the Franklin, I guess. It wasn't uh, Cider Mill when it first opened up, from what I understand. No, it was originally built as a grist mill. So when the first um, individuals came out from the East Coast and pioneered this area, what they found was that there were a lot of farmers who were coming from the East Coast looking for larger pieces of property to farm, and they found it here, which was terrific. But there was wheat and rye and corn, and they had no way to turn it into flour. So a gentleman by the name of Colonel Van Every, who came in and pioneered Franklin and the village here, decided that he would be entrepreneurial and he would build a grist mill. And the grist mill was um, a mill that took the flour, the wheat, or the the wheat, the rye, and um, and other and the corn products, and turned it into flour for the farmers. And so that was what the mill was originally. It was um, Colonel Van Every began building the mill in 1832, and it took four years to build it because there was no lumber yard and there was no place to get nails. So if you can imagine, they had to build all, they had to farm all of the wood that they needed and make their own nails for this mill. Wait a minute, make their own nails? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so. I never I never thought about that, okay? And nails, I know. It's just like I suppose, you know, if you ask an American where do chickens come from, they say in little styrofoam uh, wrapped <laughs> things on, you know. But nails come in 10-pound, you know, one-pound boxes at the hardware store, of course. I mean, you know, yep. to make a nail. That's amazing. Okay. So it was originally set up. So he set up the, the mill the way it is today with, like, the water wheel and the whole business like that. And uh, people were were grinding flour, 
So at what point did it, was it deemed more profitable or beneficial that it not do wheat, rye, and corn anymore and change to apples, Laura Pelz? Well, how about um, it happened to us? And that was that when the um, when land opened up west of here in huge plots, these farmers here may have had, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 acres of farming, but they could move out to Nebraska, North Dakota, Iowa, and get hundreds of acres of farmland. And that's what they did. So by the late 1800s or the late yeah, the late 1800s, all of those farmers had left and the mill went idle. But they had built that mill in the right location because every mill back in those days need to have water to power it. And so they built it on the river, which is the Franklin River going into the Rouge River. And that mill sat idle for many years until what happened were to the farmlands where apple orchards started growing, hence the name um, Orchard Lake. And so the mill, while that those um, orchards were developing and growing, did sit idle. There was a huge storm that wiped out a lot of the bottom of the mill. But once those apple orchards had mature trees and apples, they were really looking for a location to take those apples to make cider. And so another family took the mill on and turned it into an apple cider mill from a grist mill and repaired it. We've got photos of about the late 1920s, maybe early 1930s, of a truck with an orchard name on it backing up to the mill to bring their apples there. Mm-hmm. Let, me just, let me just ask you, let me just ask you a question. Is, sure. So did the colonel just like abandon the mill or did he, get, did he sell it to this new family? Well, he didn't sell it. He pretty much abandoned it. He had built also across the street um, on 14 and Franklin. He had built a distillery there. So he had other businesses that he was being entrepreneurial with. But when when the grist mill went, the grist mill went. Okay, so continue. So we're up to 1920. So now it's a fully working uh, apple cider mill, but your dad, who I know is the, like the owner of a Franklin Cider, in 1920, he was probably negative like <laughs> two or three at that point. So, how did the Pelts so, get involved? So, um, the McKee family ended up owning the mill and turning it into a production of apple cider and also a sale of apple cider. So um, I heard that Mr. McGee actually got the property because someone had given it to him in lieu of a payment that they owed Mr. McGee. So he never bought it. He received it. He had worked at Ford as an engineer, and slowly near his retirement years, he started thinking about how he could make the sales area of the mill. So he added to the original building. And when my father met Mr. McGee in the middle of 1960s, um, Mr. McGee was looking for someone to take over the mill. He'd run out of family, and that was a piece that he could not get was anybody who could manage that mill and understand it. And with my dad, he had a background in the food industry, And he had also been an entrepreneur in the food industry. And so um, he spent a year with Mr. McGee learning the mill, and he fell in love with that mill. Uh And several years after um, taking on the mill, he gave up his, um, what was then a pretty famous grocery store in Detroit, which was House of Foods. And he just owned the mill and loved it. Okay, cool. So that takes it up to like the early 1960s. So what did your dad do to the physical structure of the mill to like bring it up to from, say, like 1920s to 1960s? Or did he think, you know, this is really cool the way it is. Let's keep it rustic. He didn't do much. He thought that that mill needed to stay pretty much the way it was. He felt that the business was good, but we needed to keep it specific to, you know, um, cider and donuts 
and um, and then a few accoutrements um, also around. Um, so he really didn't want to make any changes in the mill. Okay, indeed. And so it's been going on this this way in the Peltz family for 1960. It makes it 60 years that it's in your that's family. Right. So that's quite and incredible. So when my father passed in eighty in two thousand and four, and he was eighty four years old, um, and my brother took over the mill. My brother did a lot of changes and improvements in the mill. He was he was he did a fabulous job of um, taking things that just were not working well and changing them and upgrading a lot of things like our entire press room and entire apple process is now all stainless steel where before it was wood so that was a big improvement and the um, department of health says we've got one of the cleanest mills they've ever seen because of that interesting is it still a water mill well many of no a few years after my father purchased the mill, um, there was a huge storm. So mills ran with water, and the water came from a mill pond. So that was why mills were based next to rivers, but they siphoned off the water from the river and created a huge pond of water so that they would always have water available for running their mills. Well, about two, three years after my father took over the mill, there was a huge storm, and our mill pond blew out, absolutely blew out. We've got old old land drawings um, and maps of how large that mill pond was. And so when it blew out, it was the middle of the season, and he had no alternative but to electrify the mill and um, and the mill processes. So we'd already had electricity there, but none of the processes um, that were based on our production of cider had been electrified, and um, and that's what he did. So that was that was the one major thing that my father really did to change the mill. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that for half a second. So I know how big your parking lot is. And your parking lot is designated as a federal floodplain, so that the city of Franklin doesn't get uh, deluged and under you know, overcome by <laughs> by a tsunami when it hits. But so, how much of the parking lot, or where exactly was this uh, mill pond that you were talking about? Do you remember it? It wasn't, it wasn't. Well, we went and searched it out. So, um, so when I began at the mill. Four years ago, we were really curious about that and trying to find it. It wasn't by where the parking lot is. It was on the other side of the mill, on the north side, and um, and it's all overgrown now. But we did find it. Amazing! It doesn't. You would never know that there was a pond there. I mean, the pond was man-made, and it got. <laughs> and God decided we don't need a pond here anymore, so God won. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. So then. COVID hit, and suddenly people are not going to places. And uh, we had uh, had you on, and you had to redesign your marketing. And I'm sure that there was with different many many precautions that were made, even with the employees, to make sure that people didn't get sick, and that uh, you know you're you have an uh, an unprocessed product which is susceptible to all kinds of bacteria and whatnot. So. You put in all kinds of things into COVID, and now, so COVID's letting up a bit, a lot. So what's doing now with the mill, Laura Peltz? So when when COVID came, we closed down the entire inside of the mill so that we were keeping our products safe. And, um, and so only staff was allowed in, and all staffs had to be masked. And we put a plexiglass and we changed everything about how we offered our cider. And we had an excellent season during COVID because people were so happy to get outside and meet with family members. So it really turned out to be a great season for us. The next season, which was um, Last 21, year. Um, was another good year. And we kept many of the COVID um, processes still intact. This year, we're wide open. And um, some of the big changes we made, and I know because I keep getting calls about it, and they say, are you still, you know, just a cash business or do you accept credit cards? Well, my niece and I, 
who I run the mill with my niece, Melanie, um, my brother's daughter. And she, like myself, had worked with our fathers at the mill and knew it pretty well. And so Melanie and I made a decision that we were going to offer credit cards, and we did, and it just changed the face of the business. So where there used to be long lines, there aren't long lines anymore because the process is so quick to, um, to have people order and, and pay for their products and, and move on. So um, that's been a really nice piece that we've changed from because of COVID. We, we figured out some of that. And, um, and now we're open again and things are just beautiful. So yesterday, today, when we've had gorgeous, perfect weather, um, the crowds have shown we've got the holidays coming up and we're excited about those. We've got great Dakota collars with us and, um, and other kinds of pieces for individuals, holiday meals, and excited to be able to offer our cider, which um, people say is your cider kosher, and of course it is. Our donuts, not quite, but our cider is. So it's a great addition for the upcoming holidays. Okay, so people can actually go to the cider mill, and you have apples, of course, and you have honey, so people can get their apple dipped in honey, and they can get their cider, which is always a welcome addition to any any. Rosh Hashanah table, I would say. And now you can get challah, too. That really makes things uh, really way way convenient for everybody. One of the things that I found very convenient was ordering online, which was instituted during, implemented during COVID to keep people right. at bay, which I found actually very convenient. And you also, during that time, offered a uh, – had some kind of a deal or, or connection with one of the delivery services. So can I still order online and just pick it up? And do you still have people that can deliver Franklin Cider when I'm too busy to get there? So um, we do still have our online ordering. And so all you need to do is go to our website, which is franklincidermill.com, and one of the first – things you'll see is online ordering. So that is still a possibility. No problem with that. The the delivery service, what we found was when you worked through them, they increased our prices and they had a restricted area that they would deliver to. So that became problematic. And now without without COVID, people come to the mill um, they either have placed an order or they just find that there aren't very many lines and they just can come in and order whatever they like. Yeah, actually, I was there last week and I was it was a Sunday. It was like Sunday noon. And I figured that it's going to take me an hour to get in and out because that's what I came to expect. And I went in and I just like my first opinion was. Oh no! What's wrong? <laughs> there was there was there was no line. I says, "Is there something wrong?" That was the first thing that hit me. But now now I understand. If you uh, you've improved the service such, so it's now more convenient, and people don't have to spend an hour in line getting the cider. They can spend that time sitting on the bench. My Mike is always like feeding the ducks in the little river that goes by, you know, making nuisances of themselves and drinking cider right by the river. That's. Uh, Pretty amazing. So where are we going with Franklin Cider? Is it just uh, you're in a holding pattern? It's going to stay the way? Do you have any plans for it? Bigger and better, Laura Peltz? Well, bigger and better has never been a goal of Franklin Cider Mill. Unique and quality has been the goal. And so we have a strong customer base who um, believe, as we believe, that our cider is the most delicious cider. And we win awards for it. So Maybe it's not just my belief that it's the most delicious cider. And for our donuts, um, they are always served hot and and fresh. And so um, we're not changing that at all. Um, we have really just added a few things. One of the things that we've added is once a month we partner with the Franklin Public Library and do a listen and learn with children um, reading books about apples and donuts and ducks and then getting samples of, of apples and donuts and getting some duck food. And so that's been really well received. You can find when those dates are that we'll be offering the Listen and Learn by looking at our website and going to the community page and all of those dates are listed for our, 
our um, September one's already been, and now we've got October and November to come. So, so that's one of the interesting things that we've added. Um, we're adding a few other types of products that may be interesting for people too. So come on out and check out what those are. Okay, that's wonderful. And if I could remind you, the slogan which I suggested to your father that uh, he used, which was was coined by one of the film, Finman children as they were drinking Franklin cider at our table, was Franklin cider is cider. Everything else is just juice. <laughs> you know, it, it's good because we only buy premium hand-picked apples, and those are the same ones that you'll find in our Franklin favorite tents that are just gorgeous apples. And those are the same ones we use in our pressing. So we don't have an orchard. We don't use all the apples that have that orchards use because they're there. But we just use those premium hand-picked apples. And that really does make our cider unique. And it also makes it that we don't need to pasteurize it. So it is true cider. And thank you for noting that. Okay, that's going to do it. When it wish you can, our guest today has been Laura Pels from Franklin Cider Mill. If anybody does not know, Franklin Cider Mill is in, the, is in Franklin Village on the corner of Franklin Road and 14 Mile Road. In fact, if you're coming from Telegraph, so 14 Mile just dead ends right into their parking lot. You can just go straight in, but you have to stop at the stop, line for, stop sign first. And uh, your hours of operation, Laura? Thank you for asking. We're open from 8 till 6. And we're open every day between now and the end of October. It's 8 to 6. Once we get to November, we're open every day until the Sunday after Thanksgiving. But because it gets dark so early, our hours then are from 8 till 5.30 in November. Okay, good to good to know because I was probably going to show up at six o'clock, like uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> go, no. Anyway, okay. I want to wish you continued success, and of course, Lashana Tova, a very happy and a sweet New Year, Laura Pels, and all the people. And that... same to you and all of your listeners from the Franklin Cider Mill. Okay, Lashana Tova. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. the new year approaching why go anywhere else for your holiday shopping when you can go to the grove fully renovated the grove is located on greenfield road just south of 696 at the grove you'll find the largest selection of kosher foods and wines in michigan looking for fresh round holiday challahs honey cake or exotic fruit for the new year the grove has it the grove has the freshest produce gourmet dairy deli and meats they even have a kosher bakery and hot takeout right on the premises it's The Grove on Greenfield Road in 696 for all your shopping needs. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to The Jewish Hour. And indeed, as I'll probably say later, yeah, Franklin Cider is cider and everything else is just juice. I've had some of the local ciders from around, but when you pasteurize them, which is what most of the other places do because it extends the shelf life, yes, it does considerably. Uh, Franklin Cider you can keep for about a week. And then it starts it starts getting a little pungent over there. So you got to drink it within a week. Uh, whereas other ciders, you can keep them around for a bunch of long time. And uh, it's fine. But you notice the difference. It's like it's like the difference between like what it's supposed to be and kind of sort of what it's not. It's better than, you know, the other ones are better than, say, like bottled apple juice that you get in the supermarket. But it doesn't compare, which is, you know, we have a quality program. We have quality sponsors. Unlike other organizations, we actually give our seal of approval to the sponsors. We would never have a sponsor that I would that I myself would not go to. So it's Franklin Cider, that's it. And of course there's one stop located at six ninety six on Greenfield Road for all your holiday needs. They have uh I think they might have another 
wine tasting. They had a wine t- tasting last Thursday. But if you keep a keep abreast, I think they have a Facebook page as to their wine tastings. They have a sommelier comes in and tells you what would be the perfect thing for your holiday briskets, etc. But up next for your listening pleasure, this is Benny Friedman. This is a song written by uh, Shalom Rabashkin, who Shalom Rabashkin spent nine years in jail on charges which were pretty bogus against him. And uh, he, he got out and he wrote a song. The song is called Amuna Betachen Geula, which he calls it the, a, the Olive Bay's Gimel song, which is the first letters of the, the Hebrew alphabet. Amuna is have faith. Betachen means trust God. And Geula and your redemption will come. And this is Benny Friedman. Let's listen. there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813, that's 800-603-1813, or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shulfman, who are you listening to the Jewish Hour? This is a really cool song. It's an old song, and they're like recordings of it that are um, on those paper tubes that that precursored the uh, record players, the 78s. Uh, And I've never heard about this song. And someone said, why don't you ever play this song? And it's called the Galiziana Tanz. 
And I'm really glad I got turned on to it. This is, might be my my new favorite Klezmer song. And this is the Festival Klezmer Band doing it. And let's listen. things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Hey, Shulfman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, we got time for one more. It's the season, so we should have something cantoral, something liturgical. So don't get scared. This is actually pretty cool. The song, the uh, the performer is Shalom Feldman, who is a rabbi, I believe, a cantor. He's a cantor, and I believe also a rabbi, in the Q Hebrew congregation in Australia. And the song that he's going to be singing is Zachreinu B'chaim, which means we should remember us for life, which was a try. We're trying to get remembered for life over here during these weeks. So uh, let's listen to uh, Cantor Feldman. Zachreinu L'chaim Melech Ofeitz Vachayim, Melech Ofeitz Vachayim, Vechosreinu Vesefer, Vesefer Achayim, Lemarcho Eloyekim Achayim, Diridayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayay
Kedusha is the prayer in which we sanctify God's name and we declare his omnipresence. This prayer is based on the scriptural description of the heavenly angels' rendition of praise in front of God. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Wednesday, uh, a week from Wednesday, next week, is Yom Kippur. That would be September. No, that's October already. I'm pulling up the date. I'm recalcitrant. Remember the 5th. It starts at the 4th of October, Tuesday night, and goes to the 5th of October. It is a 25-hour fast, starting at sundown on Tuesday night, ending on at dusk, meaning dark, on Wednesday night. It is considered the Sabbath of the Sabbaths, the holiest day of the year. And uh, we, the Jewish people, are to be focused on getting realigned. That's what it is. It's sort of like Yom Kippur is a like going to the spiritual chiropractor. That's basically what it does. You want to realign your whole entire being and start over again. Because up until now, so listen, we know people have shortcomings, people have lackings, people may have actually, if you could believe it, somebody somebody may have actually done something wrong, which I don't believe that. Nobody ever does anything wrong, just ask them. But anyway, that's another point. The Yom Kippur is such a, a great day when we, I ask, you know, it's an interesting thing. I ask people, Yom Kippur means the Day of Atonement. So I ask people, who's doing the atoning? 
And so people, people, I guess they don't think. People say, well, I'm, I'm doing the atoning. Well, let's stop and think. What does the word atone mean? And I stopped and I told them, what does atone mean? Well, atone means forgiving. So I say, are you doing the forgiving? Or are you asking for the forgiving? And so what does that mean? It means God is doing the atoning. God is doing the forgiving. Why? Why? Why would the Why would the Almighty do this? I don't do I don't do well with why God questions. People ask me why did God do such and such. So I say that's above my pay grade. You have to ask somebody whose pay grade that matches. Which generally, if you're asking a why God question, you got to ask God directly because I think only God knows. As my mother would say, God knows. But this one I could answer for. Why would God want to? Here it is. You know, it's it's a, it's an amazing thing. We have these special prayer books that we use just for Yom Kippur. And in this special prayer book are a list of the sins that a person may have committed. It's like a hundred different things. So, uh, most of them are really innocuous, like uh, not controlling my eyes, having pride, talking out of turn, not being respectful of others. Really things which we considered, you know, not evens, but... Listen, we're we're going to we're going to go for clean slate when we get done with this. It's there's there's no new prayer book issued every year with this year's sins. Here, this is you know, some the, the usher standing at the door saying with a piece of paper saying here, no no no, I'm sorry. Those were last years, those are good. We we're done with it. Here's this year's. No. Since the men of the great assembly, you're talking 2400 years ago. We've been saying, listen, God, please forgive me for this sin and please forgive me for that one. It's the same one every single year. And so, but the Almighty go, you know, what, why? Why should the Almighty say, okay, listen, you've been here doing the same thing for the last 2,400 years, asking me every single year, please forgive me for the same things over and over and over. If it would be me, I'd say, forget about it. But thank God I'm not God. Because the Almighty is most compassionate. In fact, the day of Yom Kippur is the day of the Yom Kippur because it is the day in which, why is it such a holy day? Is because it's the day that the 13 attributes of mercy are revealed. Meaning that God has not one, not two, not three, 13 different ways in which to show mercy. And the Almighty is really just saying, you know, sitting back, so to speak, and saying, I really want to use these things. When you guys, you know, could you like turn around? You know, hello, I'm over here. I want to like, I want to be merciful to you. So the Almighty, it's not a question of why does God want it's Of course, this is what the, what the Almighty is. The Almighty is, we use it, he's also the all merciful. And when we, we do call these the days of awe. And we looked at a, a, a call Hashem, Avidu Malkeinu, our father, our king. But the emphasis, like I said last week, is more our father, more than our king. King is good. Yeah, that makes us princes. That's fine. Princes, princes and princesses. Yes. But the emphasis here is our father. The father, of course, wants the kids to be like right and is going to do anything that he can. You know what a father would do to make sure that everything was just perfect for his kids? The Almighty is just like way beyond that. But the Almighty wants us to uh, to turn around and say, "Listen, God, I want, and this is what I want to have the relationship to, and that's what really Yom Kippur is all about." There's an interesting statement which is brought in by the Arizal, the father of the Kabbalah, that says that a person who doesn't cry on Yom Kippur is missing something from their soul. So, what are you crying? What are you crying about? You're crying about because you did this sin, and you're crying about that sin, and you're crying about this sin. No. I, no. Whatever a person did, they did. And a person should feel sorry about it. And a person should move on and say, I'm not going to do that ever again. And the Baal Shem Tov says a person should be happy with the fact knowing that the Almighty is going to forgive them because they've turned to the Almighty and asked. The real says we're supposed to cry on Yom Kippur. So what is it that a person should feel that they're crying? They should feel, I don't feel close enough to God. I want to get closer to God. I feel that lacking. That's what we're crying about. And then at the end of the conclusion of Yom Kippur, when they blow the chauffeur signaling that all is done, we're finished. 
And there's a paradigm shift, which we'll talk about next week, from the days of awe to the times of our rejoicing. So now you could show, you could cry tears of joy. That's it. And that's that's really what we want to do. We're going to take no. We're not going to take a commercial break. We are going to talk about getting in touch with me. If you want to get in touch with me, the way to do that is to go to as at my website rabbifinman.com. And if you want to see what we're doing, you'd want to go to jewishferndale.com. The sister organization to the Jewish Hour is is Jewish Ferndale. And you can get in touch with us. You can see all the different things that we're doing. Jewish Ferndale, uh, Jewish, the, uh, RabbiFinman.com has all the ways in which we convey various media. It's a learning tool. You can learn all kinds of stuff over there, and you can have fun doing it. I'm not talking about there's no number, you know, find the numbers, find the word puzzles. No, it's it's just we present Judaism in a very educational, entertaining way, and you different ways in which I do that. And all of this costs, of course, money. We are into October, and uh, September close. Yeah, we're we're pretty close for September, I think. You know, so uh, and we promise that if I get September and October paid, then I don't do the pledge, and uh, we get a longer story out of the deal, which is always way cool. But it costs, and you've been listening now for fifty minutes to the podcast. You've enjoyed it. Yeah, hopefully, you've learned something from it. And it costs us money. We're a 5013C corporation. We have to raise funds. And that raising of funds does come through some sponsors. And we have some very nice people in the community who have generously opened up their hearts and wallets to support the Jewish Hour and in return get publicity about their businesses. We have about a half a dozen of those. But for the mass majority, that makes it about 40%. The other 60% comes from people like you who are listening and uh, participating, enjoying, and I uh, get questions asked to me at RabbiFinman.com all the time. Very much appreciative of any feedback that you might want to give, but it costs. We're on air 28 years. We want to keep going for another 28 years. I'm not going anywhere, so neither are you. So you might as well just keep listening every week. So do that. Go to RabbiFinman.com. It's all through PayPal. It's all very safe, effective. You know, you just enter in your numbers. And uh, I mean, if you have a PayPal account, you can make it monthly. And uh, it takes about 30 seconds to do that. And that's great. If you'd like to send a contribution, do that by sending it to, you could even walk it up to the door if you're in the area, to 1725 Pinecrest Drive, which happens to be Jewish Ferndale, and pop it into the mailbox over there. So 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Do that today. Story is a long story. I want to. I have to talk quick, but this is one of my favorite Yom Kippur stories. It involves the town of Berdichev, whereas the famed Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev was the Rebbe. Now, people from reading the stories about Levi Yitzhak Berdichev would think that Berdichev was some little tiny shtetl village type thing, and everybody there was like super religious, and uh, they all got along, and everything was fine. Further from the truth, couldn't it be? Berdicha was a large city. It was probably about the size of Southfield, for those people familiar with southeastern geography, southeastern Michigan geography. It was about the size of Southfield, had many tens of thousands of people that lived there, and only a fraction were actually religious. The others were, they were secular Jews, just like, you know, you have in Southfield. You have the religious, you have the ones who are not religious. And there was always the crowd of uh, unsavory people. They had their smugglers and uh, dealers of stuff and whatnot. In the city of Berdichev, there was a person who had an avocation that if he would hear that someone had been imprisoned, a Jew had been imprisoned, which being imprisoned in a Polish prison was like, never mind a fate worth, worth that, worse than death. So he would do what he could. It's called pidgin shvuyin, redeeming captives, one of the highest forms of charity. He would go around. He didn't have a penny himself. He would go around and raise the funds. So he heard the day before Yom Kippur, there is a family which had been thrown into a dungeon because they couldn't pay their rent. And the money which was needed to get them out was 400 rubles. It's in a sizable amount. So this man, whose name we do not know, went to Levi Yitzhak Bardichev and said, what am I supposed to do? It's Erev Yom Kippur. It's, you know, but it's sun setting. It's, you know, it's like we don't have a, all day over here. 
And but you can't have a family living in uh, being in Yom Kippur in a prison. It was when they would lock up the they would lock up the entire family, little kids stuck in a dungeon. So the said, "You have my blessing," which is about all he could do. So he's knocking on doors. He's getting pennies. This is not going to get uh, cup kids, as the case may be. This is not going to get four hundred rubles anytime soon. So you say he's going to go to the bank president. He's got gelt. He's ungushed up, as they say, fat with money. So he goes, he knocks on the door. The butler lets him in. As you know, blah, blah. He says, I have to talk to the bank president. Okay. He's sitting there in his parlor playing cards with three of his buddies. This is Erev Yom Kippur. This is the day before him, the holiest day of the year. He's sitting playing cards. And in the middle of the of the table is a big glass, or maybe several big glasses, of what's known as Zechsuk Neinziker, which is pure grain alcohol. And what they would do is they would take some of it, they pour it in a glass, and put some, like, juice in it and something so you could drink the stuff down. It's absolutely, it'll, stuff will kill you. So he went and he told the uh, bank president, I need 400 rubles to get this family out of jail before pre- before Yom Kippur. Please give me the money. So the bank president said, that's a lot of money. I don't have that, but... I have a hundred dollars. I have a hundred rubles sitting here on the table. I'll give you the hundred rubles if you drink the four ounce glass of pure grain alcohol. So he said, "Fine." That makes me a quarter there. He took the glass, drank it. The kick, straight down, the kick from straight grain alcohol floored him. Put him right down on the floor. He gave him the hundred hundred rubles. Said, second guy said, "Hey, that was really pretty cool. Could you do that again?" I'll give you. A, I'll give you also a hundred. And he did it again, and it, the, the kick knocked him on the floor. I once accidentally drank Zuck Zuck uh this this pure grain alcohol. I lost a feeling in my fingers. It was like whoa! As soon as I knocked it back, I said, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble." And I went and I sat down, and I was just like played. That was just a shot. He's now got eight ounces. The third guy says, "I'd like to see that again." So the guy's thinking, I got 300 rubles. That's great. The fourth guy also, he's now he's got all 400 rubles, but he's got 16 ounces of straight grain alcohol in him. This would probably kill somebody. This is serious stuff over here. So I can imagine the first thing he did is he, when he walked out, is the first thing he did is he threw up. But he, how much can you throw up already? And he managed to crawl to Levi Yitzhak Bardichev and hand him the money and say, get the family out of prison. He's just totally, completely, he's like beyond drunk. He manages to crawl. Levi's Bardichev, his house, was adjacent to the big synagogue. And he could go straight from Levi's study right into the synagogue. Very convenient. And he crawled to the back of the synagogue, and he lay down on a bench, and he fell asleep. And he started snoring loudly, and he probably also lost his cookies a couple times over there. So now people start coming in, and... They see this guy, this drunk, lying there. Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. The shul fills up, packed. And the first thing they do is they take out the Torah scrolls, and the place is all lit up. And now, so they're standing there with the Torah, is about to start the Kol Nidra, the holiest ceremony of the year. And this guy kind of like wakes up, kind of, sort of. And now he's just like happy drunk. He's managed to sleep that much off. And he's looking, and he's looking, he's totally confused. And suddenly he realizes, he goes... Oh, it's Simcha's Torah, which is the happiest day of the year. And he runs up to the beam, he grabs one of the Torah, and he starts dancing around. It's Simcha's Torah, it's Simcha's Torah. Who is this this drunk? They wanted to throw him out. Levi Zuckbar teacher said, leave him, leave him alone. What he did this year, he went right past Yom Kippur and went straight to Simcha's Torah. And we'll explain that in the coming weeks. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a, a meaningful Yom Kippur. And we hope to see you again back in the next week when we'll talk about Sukkot. Take care. <laughs> Oh, 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.